You know, today we're going to talk about love. This a, a remarkable love, in fact. You know, we uh, are a few weeks away from the world talking about love, or at least what they think is love. Anybody know what date I'm talking about? Valentine's. Yeah, Valentine's Day is only a few weeks away. This is a time of year where everyone seems to get what the younger folk call the feels. These emotions, these, these feelings that stirs up inside of them. To some, it's true love. But to some, it's a love that is based on that feeling. But to some, there's a reality. That to some, that day is what they call National Single Awareness Day. Because you feel so lonely on that day. Because you don't have a Valentine's, per se. But no matter what the world defines love as, I hope that we can come to an understanding today that that love, a love that is fully from God, that is true love, is worth loving others. It's a love that we don't just hold to ourselves, but we actually love one another. It's not just a love that's based on feelings. Now, love does have feelings. But a lot of times, in, in case of, of the Christian walk even, there's time when you, have to, can't, you can't go off of your feelings. Love sometimes has to be a choice. And that's a love that is much deeper than just surface-level love. You know I love my wife, and I, love our, I loved our wedding day. Like our, One of my favorite days of the of the, our whole life was our wedding day. Like, our wedding day was, was perfect. Like, did things go wrong? Sure, I'm sure they did, and we didn't tell Hannah about them um, because you don't tell the bride of anything that goes wrong at a wedding, right? Because they turn into bridezilla, and I didn't want my wife to turn into bridezilla. <laughs> but it was, it was a great day. It really was. It was outside in uh, Asheboro. There's a uh, bicentennial park is what it's called, and we were the first wedding to ever happen there we we chose to to have our wedding outside of the church uh, because we wanted to be among God's creation uh, and we knew that we would have a lot of people that would show up for our wedding so it, it fit that this this park we were the first ones to ever have this uh, our wedding there and uh, evidently we started a tr- trend because now everybody seems to be having their wedding out there and it's a beautiful park um, right around the train tracks going downtown in, um, in um, Asheboro. But I remember that day. I remember it very de- detailed. But I remember what, what we were really excited about was looking at our, our pictures. Um, what maybe you don't realize is that Hannah um, had for many years her own, own business um, of photography. For the majority of her life, she had, had a camera or a video camera in her hand. And until we started having a bunch of babies, uh, she was uh, doing a lot of, um, of photography. And so when we got married, we knew that we were going to spend as much money we can on the photographer because we wanted to make sure that we had the best uh, photos to look at later on. And we did. We used a, a lady from, um, from out of town, but she just did a great job. Brought in two or three different people to work with her, too. Um, so... You know, we had our wedding day, and we were anticipating getting these, these 
photos. And we bought this album, and you had to spend extra money to get this album that is just a beautiful album. And we, a couple months later, after our, our wedding day, we, it arrives in the mail, and we're looking through it. We're so proud. I mean, you see me and my skinny self, and, you know, just, it, you know, I looked at it, and I'm like, man, I, I, what happened? <laughs> what happened was I got married, <laughs> and my wife can cook. <laughs> and so we're looking through all that went on. We're looking at the, the pictures of, of her grandfather praying over us during the ceremony. We look at, um, you know, the time that the, the, the camera just called us perfectly where we were worshiping to a song. Um, called Center, where we're uh, singing about God being th- the center of our, our life, and, and we're worshiping to that. And it also caught the moments of us being crazy and, and doing something called dancing, all right, at the reception, and um, caught me doing the YMCA, which is crazy, um, and one that is uh, interesting you ought to see. I'll show it to you whenever you visit us. But I remember that we were so proud of that album, and we put it on, the, on display, you know, on our coffee table for a year, you know. It spent a lot of time on that coffee table. About year two, you know, it's starting to, you know, look a little bit, you know, worn. And so Hannah was like, well, we also have kids. Uh, we had foster kids starting to come in. We also had youth group kids at that time coming over to our house. So we're like, okay, why don't we just put this on the shelf? And so we put it on the shelf, and we'd still bring it out and show people our wedding because we were talking about it, you know, and stuff. Well, now, transition 11 years, I actually had to ask Hannah, where is that book at? <laughs> and it's actually in a drawer, still in our living room. We still can pull it out, but it only gets pulled out about once or twice a year, maybe. Now, does that mean that our, our wedding isn't significant? Does that mean that we've lost our love? No. No, it means that that wedding was just the beginning of a lifetime together, of a marriage together. And that is really what love is about. Even the love that we have for our Father. This love that He gives to us, and we also give to Him and others, is that this, it's this perfect love you know, the beginning of life, you know, that, the beginning of that love for us is our con- conversion. When we convert to, to follow Jesus Christ, it's a wedding, so, so to speak. A marriage that, that begins, but it doesn't just end there. And I've, I've had, you know, conversations with a lot of people in my time of ministry where they really just, it stops there. And there's no growth. But love that God has and love that He wants to have in you and through you is one that doesn't stop growing. It's like our marriage. Yes, we think about our wedding. right? We sometimes pull out pictures of our wedding. But what's more important is we've been together for 11 years and I'm hoping that you know, whenever I get to be 80 years, I'm still with her and still have that same love that is grown and it's even bigger even than even the first time that we, we committed to those vows for one another. And so even in our, our own walk, our own walk with the Father, you know, we are to, to grow in our love. And this love is a remarkable love. And today I hope that we discover this remarkable love that is so much bigger than a box of 
uh, chocolate that you get on Valentine's Day, or so much bigger than a dozen roses that you might give to your spouse. A remarkable love that is even bigger than just the wedding day. It's the whole marriage. Today we'll talk about remarkable love. And we'll be in First uh, John, First John chapter 4. First John chapter 4, starting with verse 19. It says, We love because He first loved us. It was Him. Without God's love for us, we could not love Him in return. Without His love for us, we could not love other people. Then verse 12, 20, it says this, Whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister and is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And He has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. This is talking about you know, the church, how we are to love one another our brother and sister in Christ. If you can't love one another, then you truly don't love, love God. You are missing out on that love that comes from above. Because the love that comes from God, and like it said, that love first started with God. It didn't start with us, it started with God. Love was invented by God. Love is God. And so it started with us, and so for us to respond to God's love, we can't not love one another. If you're holding on, we talked about that last week where we have to to forgive one another. We have to trust one another and and to go and seek um, restoration when uh, relationships are messed up and flawed between one another. Because if we don't truly love one another, then we can't truly love God. Because if you hold on to that, then you're holding on to something. If you hold on to that and you don't love one another then really what Scripture is telling you is that you are a liar. For you do not truly love God. Because if you can't love one another, if you can't love a brother and sister in Christ, who you can see with flesh, who you can hear, who can, you can interact with, how can you possibly love God? So today... May we love like the love that comes from our remarkable God. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago, that we serve a remarkable God. And that remarkable God gives us a new name. And we are now a part of the family of God. And we are called to be a remarkable community. And for us to be a remarkable community, we have to be a forgiving community that learns to trust one another. And for us to really do that, It has to be driven by a remarkable love. A remarkable love. A few years ago, you know, I I worked for Chick-fil-A, and so for for about seven years, it was like everything Chick-fil-A, you know, and um, I was in ministry still, but I was really, you know, a lot of my time was spent managing Chick-fil-A. And I remember this happened, I think it was 2014, uh, I might be wrong on a couple of dates there, but um, 2014, um, there was a snow blizzard just came through. It was actually an ice storm that came through, and it come through the south, and we all know that if it comes through the south, it seems to dump a whole lot all over the southern region of, of uh, you know, the, the southern states. And so this year it did the same thing, 
It came up through Atlanta. But see, it was a surprise. We didn't realize that we were going to get that much ice all at one time. And so there was people that was going down the interstates in Atlanta. And they were stuck in traffic. Like it was gridlocked for hours all through the night. It was shut down the whole interstates. I think I heard that it was like uh, 1,200 different car accidents that one night listed in Atlanta. Can you imagine being on that road? Being stranded? Being where you couldn't get to your child? Because it happened in the middle of the day. And so kids were at school, and the parents were stuck in this gridlock traffic, and they couldn't get to their kids to pick them up. Like the whole Atlanta was pretty much shut down. Like kids had to spend the night in their schools. That's how bad it was. But here throughout the night, you know, a Chick-fil-A, several Chick-fil-A's, but one in particular um, was on one of these interstates. And so they were, you know, closing down and trying to send people home, which they learned that, hey, it's just not safe. Like you can't get home. So just come back, stay here. We have power. We'll just, we'll stay open. And so the operator chose to invite his employees and so what happened was, is that it, um, throughout the night, it just continued to get worse and worse. And people were, were hungry. They were starting to run out of gas in their cars. And so once they run out of gas, they started getting really cold. So what happened was, is this operator had, you know, we have these fryers. We have these sandwiches. Fire up the fryers. Let's start cooking as much sandwiches as we can. We have all these warmers, let's go. And they went one by one down the interstate. Hey, would you like a sandwich? Hey, the the restaurant's open. If you need to come get warm, come on in. Here, have a sandwich. Have a sandwich. Bless you. You know, if you need to get warm, come on in. People were blown away. Because this Chick-fil-A wasn't saying, hey, here's a sandwich. You owe us three dollars. They weren't saying, hey, we're taking rent. If you want to come on in, you know, we'll charge you an overnight stay. No. They said, we just want to bless them. We want to bless people. And so that's what they did. This Chick-fil-A opened up their doors and started to feed people, started to keep them warm, looking after other people that decided to stay in their cars. They would, you know, look after them. That's remarkable love. And I've heard, you know, I've shared this story with, with other people, especially when I was in Salisbury working with the Chamber of Commerce. I would share that story of this, this idea of, you know, giving back without this idea of returning, this return. You know, because business people, they love profits. Like, if you don't want profits, then you shouldn't be in business. Like, that's why you want to make money, right? But to give without return is so foreign in most businesses. And so I would share this. And some would respond, you know, wish my business was like that. But then I would have this encounter with some people that they would come to me, you know, I wish the church was like that. I wish the church would start to take notes on how this story is or how Chick-fil-A is doing it, which I would stop them and say, you know what? I don't think they need to take notes on anything because I think that is the church. That's the church in action. That's the church 
operating in your business and meeting needs because you have a remarkable love living in, in you. And that operator in Atlanta started to do that. And he was being the hands and feet of Jesus. And see, people are human. Everybody that was gridlocked, every one of them were human and in need of, of warmth, but what they need was to be shown love. Everybody that walks through the doors of your business, everybody that walks through the doors of these church, the doors of your home, is human, and there's one thing that they have in common, and that is a need for love. Josh McDowell once said this. He said, all of you have two great fears. And he said, one is a, is a fear of never being loved, and the other is a fear of never being able to love. But see, God has two truths. The true truth that's for everybody is that you are loved unconditionally. Everybody, you are loved unconditionally. By a remarkable God, you are loved unconditionally. And therefore, you are to love unconditionally. And see, that's the reward. The reward of holiness, a reward of perfect love, is a genuine love for other people. In fact, 1 John 4, 8 says, Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. So if you truly love God, then you can't keep it to yourself. You have to love other people. But see, we're imperfect. We're imperfect people. Some of you might be thinking, well, 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 who are you to say that I'm not perfect? You know, I'm perfect. <laughs> yeah, right. We're all not perfect. Maybe you have a list that you live by. Well, I'm not as bad as this person. I've heard that said a lot in church. Well, I could be worse than this. You know, I could be like this person. Or, you know, yeah, I stumble in this area, but at least I'm not sinning in this area. Right? We've probably heard this, that you elevate sin. Yeah, people do that. Elevate sin above other sins. And we live by a list, and we start ranking sin. But the reality is this, that evil is evil. That sin is sin, plain and simple. You are imperfect. Every one of you are imperfect. And in need of a love that is perfect. And we serve a God who is perfect. And He has that remarkable love. And He wants to, it to live inside of you. And when that lives inside of you, that perfect love starts to take uh, root in you. And He starts to transform you. And now the sin that you've entangled you is, is beginning to, to break free. And gradually you become you, you, the love that God has for you. And that's holiness, where God is at work in you, not just a conversion. You know, yes, that is amazing, like what God ha does through us in, in our conversion moment where we start following Jesus, we give our hearts to Jesus, and we start to, to uh, focus on Him, and we turn from our wicked ways. But what goes on throughout the rest of our lives is this perfecting of us, where he is, His love is perfecting us, and that's what God wants. But see, many of you tend to live by a list. Many of you tend to live by just a set of rules. But I heard the story this past week 
a little girl was looking, looking at this beautiful white sheep. As it ate on the green grasses, she thought, hmm, that sheep is so beautiful. It's so white as it ate the grass. But then it began to snow. As it started snowing, the snow covered the grass. And you, you saw a beautiful snow. It was white, a pure white. But then she started to see how dirty that sheep looked against the white snow. But see, the reality is, is that, that that sheep was the same. All that had changed was the background. It was a completely different background. What was once green grass was now white snow. And that sheep looked dirty compared to the white snow. Clean compared to the green grass. But see, when we start comparing our sins to the standard of the world, sure we might look like we're clean up against the world. But when we look and we judge and we hold ourselves up against the righteousness of God, it says that we are that of filthy rags. We are filthy. But God's love doesn't just hold that up against us. He doesn't just say, well, you're just filthy and that's it. That's the end of the story. No, love come down. Love died for us. Love conquered the grave. Love lives on through resurrection. And God's perfect love it exists still today. And it exists in the hearts of people that, by worldly standards, are imperfect. It lives on here in our hearts if we choose to follow this great, remarkable God. It's easy to love people, though, that are easy to love. But Jesus went on. He says this in Matthew 5. He says, Jesus gives us power to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. This love goes even beyond those that are lovable. See, we have trouble even loving one another. You know, and that bickering leads to anger, which leads to malice if we don't stop. If we have trouble loving one another, how in the world can we go out to the world and, tr- and to represent the love? But His Word says that they, the world, will know that we are Christians, which Christians is a term saying that we are little Christ. We represent Christ. They will know that we represent Christ by the way that we what? We love one another. And so if we really want to be a remarkable community, we want to be a remarkable church, we have to learn to love like Christ did. But see, the world tends to have conditions on our love. Even, you know, in the church, we sometimes have conditions on our love. C.S. Lewis once called this need-based love. This idea that I love you because I need something you can offer me. That's need-based love. But Jesus comes on the scene and he offers an unconditional love. And, And Lewis says this, that it is called a gift love. I love you for what I can offer you of myself. 
Jesus Christ come on the scene and He offered that love to other people. He gave a love that was unconditional. He loved them and gave Himself up for a ransom. At Chick-fil-A, we also called this second mile service. You know, Chick-fil-A is known for hospitality. If you've ever been in Chick-fil-A and you've had a, a, a bad moment, it's definitely rare. Hospitality is in their blood, it seems like. Going the extra mile. You know, this idea of, you know, at Chick-fil-A we would uh, train the people to open doors for the elderly. To look at a, a mom that has multiple kids and, you know, they uh, are carrying a stroll, you know, a, a, a seat, you know, and they have a toddler on, on each leg, it seems like, and they're walking through the door. Most restaurants just ignore. But one that practices hospita- hospitality in the second mile goes and opens the door and says, hey, can I help you to your table? Second mile services taking an umbrella when it's pouring rain and helping people inside. But see, Jesus talked about this extra mile. That's where they got it from. Truett Cathy got that straight from Scripture. But going much deeper, it says this, you know, that Jesus was talking to them and teaching them, his followers, how to live out going the extra mile. See, going one mile was lawful in those days. The Roman government would allow you to uh, you know, go, and if you're a Roman soldier, you can go and say, hey, Jew, you can carry this, carry my satchel, carry my weapon. We're going this, and they're going, and you know, the, the road markers were marked, and so they were forced to go one mile. And then Jesus says, you know what? How about this? You go the extra mile. But see, what was going on is that he was reversing the law against them because it was actually unlawful for them to actually force somebody to go the second mile. And he takes and he turns the law against them and forces them to go the extra mile. But what that forces that Roman soldier to do is to not just look at them as just a mere Jew, but look at them in their humanity. Look at them as a, as a, as a, as a uh, normal, as a, as a human, not as just a, a, an object that they can force to, to go however they want. There's many things in our society that we love to dehumanize people. And the only way to, to cure that is love. The only way to combat that is love. Because when Jesus loved he loved people that were human. It didn't matter that it was a Jew. It didn't matter that it was a Samaritan. It didn't matter who they were. He loved them. It didn't matter that they were, had leprosy, and if he even touched them, he would be considered unclean. He loved them anyway. May we love like that. For us to be a remarkable church, we have to be driven by this remarkable love. That love can't be caged. It can't be contained. This love is, is reckless in a lot of ways. The world season is reckless. Like, what are you doing? That doesn't make sense. But this love shows hospitality to others. Those that are easy to love and even those who are hard to love. Those who have been in church and those who have been in the world 
for the majority of their life. It doesn't matter. We love them. Remarkable love shows hospitality to all people. It prays and seeks unity. And it isn't afraid to get dirty. Jesus wasn't afraid to get dirty. And so as the praise team comes, may we think about our remarkable love. Do we truly have the remarkable love of Jesus Christ? If we were a remarkable church, then we would start living out remarkable mission. I'm driven by that remarkable love. We're to love people locally. That's why we do things like the the love, the lots of love, you know, the, the loads of love rather, you know, where we are going above and beyond and blessing people that might be like, why are you doing this? It doesn't make sense. It's also why we want to love globally. We want to partner with people that's doing uh, overseas missions. God's perfect love is the only way for us as imperfect people to become perf- perfect. God's perfect love, His remarkable love, is the only thing that can turn us and change us and transform us. May we turn to Him so that He, that we can love unconditionally and He can love through us. May we be a remarkable church that loves one another like Christ loved the church. So today, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what, if you might be living by a list. I don't know if you've been thinking of yourself and maybe thinking of yourself too highly. And you need to come and humble yourself before the Lord and say, you know what? I'm that of filthy rags. Hold up beside the world's standards. Yes, I look clean, but hold up beside the righteousness of God. I'm filthy. May you come and humbly bow before Him. Repent of your sins. And may that remarkable love continue to transform you all the way to glorification where we get to see our Father face to face and we get to praise Him forevermore. So whatever you're going through, as they sing, this altar's open. This altar's always open. I don't care if I'm in the middle of preaching. This altar's open. We, we should never be a church that closes this altar. It's always here. So whatever you're going through, may you come.